Jim Collins has written some seminal work on organizations and leadership, but I believe it's his last book in 2009, How the Mighty Fall and Why Some Companies Never Give In is a treasure trove of great insights to take a look at an organization's health and seeing what are those markers, what are those signals that there may be danger ahead in terms of the health of the organization, both financially as well as in the culture. So Joyce did all the heavy lifting on this one, read the book, and today we kind of look at it through the lens of HROD to look at what we must be on our guard in organizations to make sure that we're not in decline. So come on in, grab a snack, welcome. Hello. Hey, Joyce. I didn't say good morning. <laughs> good afternoon. Good evening. Because we're, we're recording this at we're recording this at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> just to disorient or orient any we are pleased that we have far flung listeners so whatever your time zone welcome i am bringing with me a book i think i mentioned last week uh, yep. and i could not think of the title of it it was jim collins uh which and the title i think it didn't sell well because it was so um put your face in it sort of it's called mm. how the mighty fall and why some companies never give in um and he gives the stages of this decline and it interests me also because why am i showing i'm showing bob the books as if you all can see me <laughs> <laughs> i'm like a good little teacher showing the book it's who do we choose to be facing and claiming leadership uh and Restoring Sanity, written by Meg Wheatley, who talks about the decline of civilization and the stage that we're in. And I think most of us would say we are at a place where it's going to be a yes or a no. Anyhow, I thought I always wanted, and maybe I did do it, to take a top team and go through these stages and say, where are we in this? So, um I think I'm going to have to read out loud and then we'll react. Is that okay? Yeah, no, I think that's great. I'm, I'm, I haven't heard them yet. So I'm actually excited. Um, the fact that we're plugging two books that didn't sell well, I think is a real admirable thing on your part. <laughs> I have some books I've written that haven't sold well. <laughs> Why else? Oh, okay. So here's markers for stage one, which uh, let's see what he calls that. But, it's the hubris born of success is what he calls it. Um, anyhow. These, not, these are the markers, okay, for stage one. Success entitlement and arrogance. Success is viewed as deserved rather than fortuitous, fleeting, or even hard-earned. People begin to believe that success will continue almost no matter what the organization decides to do or not to do. Can you think of a few in the, in the news today? The other is neglect of a primary flywheel, which is a Jim Collins turn. Distracted by extraneous threats, adventures, and opportunities, leaders neglect a primary flywheel, 
failing to renew it with the same creative intensity that made it great in the first place. So there's, I, I do write an article on the um, thrill of the boring. Yeah. You know, and then what replaces why? The rhetoric of success, we're successful because we do these specific things, replaces understanding and insight. We're successful because we understand why we do these specific things and under what conditions they no longer work. And the last one is a biggie, I think, for OD. It's a decline in learning orientation. Leaders lose the inquisitiveness and learning orientation that mark those truly great individuals who, no matter how successful they become, maintain a learning curve as steep as when they first begin their careers. So these are things to look out for at stage one, and there, there are four stages. You know, uh, so... That what comes to mind as I was listening to you, it, it almost seems like there's like we've arrived. Okay, it, it's if if success was a destination, uh, we're there. Uh, and I think what Jim Collins is saying is there's either a complacency or kind of resting on your laurels, or you know, Facebook, uh, not Facebook, yeah, yeah Facebook, Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, and I won't mention the name of the company, but it was a, a huge telecom company that was considered the darling of the industry. And they went under about 15 years ago. And I had uh, the honor of working with some of their displaced executives. I'm talking uh, president, uh, head of uh, finance. And I said, look, I just have to ask this question. You're, you're smart. Your intuitive sense is great. Um, why did you see How this? In the heck? Mm -hmm. How in the heck? How in the heck? And they said, you know, to be honest with you, we were uh, we were so enamored with the rearview mirror and getting all these awards that we we failed to look at all the markers that were in front of us that were ultimately going to derail us. And so that's as I hear that one. And if I'm a listener and I'm thinking about my own company. Uh, this one's pretty uh, destructive. Uh, I, I'm, I, well, here's my advice. Take these, get this book, take these stages and have a three-hour session with your top group. Um, yeah. And you might even want to take the markers and jumble them and then put them back to see what where do they fall but I'm giving you ideas ahead of time here's a little blurb in the book that I just struck uh, Jim says if I were to pick one marker about above all others to use as a warning sign it would be a declining proportion of key seats filled with the right people hmm. 24 hours a day 365 days a year you should be able to answer the following questions and think of this, people, for a great discussion with your top leadership. What are the key seats in your organization? What percentage of those seats can you say with confidence are filled with the right people? What are your plans for increasing that percentage? And what are your backup plans in the event that a right person leaves a key seat? So, you know, it's partly succession planning. Yeah. You know, and... Well, we were brought up 
at Hannaford with the right person in the right seat. And the most important money you spend is getting the right person in the right seat. Yeah. You know, I don't have a clue uh, of what I'm about to say is actually in any way uh, right. But what what I think about is the fact that the U.S. women's soccer team uh, was eliminated and had their worst showing in World Cup history. And if I think back to the interviews before the tournament, there was this hubris, you know, this this is who we are. This is our culture. Um, and they'd be challenged. Well, you've lost your best player to an injury. No, we, we're, you know, we're going in. And I get the power of being positive, but I'm wondering if that wasn't at some level at play uh, mm -hmm. in there. I, I don't want to call it demise. You're, you're on the biggest stage uh, athletically, but um, they fell through. They were, they were, ordinary um in terms you of know, and, and 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 the red sox right now are less than ordinary and you wonder i think there's also a fear of continuing top performance i would have a sports psychologist in there saying can you do continuous winning what would it mm -hmm. take uh and you have to also address that fear of we might fail fall and I think some of all of these markers have to do with denial of the fear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, so here's the marker for stage two. Uh, unsustainable, unsustainable quest for growth, confusing big with great. I won't read all the other stuff under it. You guys have to buy this book. The other is undis undisciplined discontinuous leaps. You know, they they ignite path, do the do big things that you do fit with the company's passion and core values. Can you be best in the world in it? And will they help drive uh economic energy or de or deplete it? So and you know, uh, once again, hubris, declining proportion of right people in key seats. Easy cash erodes cost discipline. Yep. Oh, I we were in a industry that doesn't allow that too much bureaucracy subverts discipline we were talking about that before we came on board and problematic succession of power the organization experiences leadership transition difficulties be they in the form of poor succession planning or failure to groom leaders so those are markers to look at so common markers between one and two so far really focuses on having the right people in the right seat. Yep. Uh, so not surprising given uh, Jim Collins' uh, yeah. beliefs. Okay. Yep. And, and he, his, his title for that stage two is Undisciplined Pursuit of More. And I think about the soccer team. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stage three. How are we doing on time? We're doing just fine. We've got about 10 more minutes. Okay, stage three is denial of risk and peril. Um, let me see if I can get there. Ooh, help. Where are my stickums? Okay, markers for stage three. Amplify the positive, discount the negative. There's a tendency to discount, discount or explain away negative data rather than presume that something is wrong. And I'm thinking how we, you and I both have worked with stuff on the brain and positivity and yep. um, where 
where does that get crazy? <laughs> um, there are big bets and bold goals without empirical validation. There's incurring huge downside risk based on ambiguous data. Erosion of healthy team dynamics. There's a marked decline in the quality and amount of dialogue and debate. There's a shift toward consensus or dictatorial management rather than a process of argument and disagreement followed by unified commitment. There's a paragraph, people. The other is externalizing blame. There's always some other reason than self or self-organization. And here's one, obsessive reorganizing. Rather than confront the brutal realities, the enterprise chronically reorganizes. People are increasingly preoccupied with internal politics rather than external conditions. Oof. Where do you where do you begin to unpack that? Um, you know, we we've talked in the past about uh, when working with leaders to have them see their points of view on certain topics. Um, you know, because it kind of gets them. So, what what's really going on here? And the the first part about big for big sake, uh, as opposed to uh, pursuit of being the best versus more, more, more. Uh, I've worked in organizations where they were so growth driven and maybe there was some reasons behind that, but that became kind of the, the goal and all others, whether it be revenue, whether it be, uh, uh, you know, uh, being better, being the best. Yeah. 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 So that, that, that really, uh, that really hit home with me. And I, I, I can picture uh, where we worked bringing together the companies that that form the company across cultures and have people do a, a team assessment, top team assessment, and also yeah. have others that share what they see going on. This could be a three-day. I love this material, people, if you can't tell. All right. Here's, Can I? Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna share one other that I. It, it really hit home to me when the the focus becomes internal and structure and what mm -hmm. what do we have to do mm -hmm. in terms of rearranging the uh, the the seats on the Titanic um, versus a market focus. Uh, that's one that that I see time and time again where somehow the, the, they feel that the way to sustain their growth and success is by tinker internally as opposed to looking at the market that they serve and saying, how, how do we stay relevant? How do we stay the best? Well um, put. Yeah. Okay, here's stage four. I love the title, Grasping for Salvation. So there, there are a series of silver bullets. There's a tendency to make dramatic big moves, such as a game-changing acquisition or a discontinuous leap into a new strategy or an exciting innovation in an attempt to quickly catalyze a breakthrough and then to do it again and again, lurching about from program to program. You know, you think of all the strategic yeah. plans or uh, thrusts that we come up with. Ay, ay, ay. And it, there's, it, it creates a, a pattern of chronic inconsistency. Oh, coherence matters so much. You can hear it. Absolutely. It when it's there. And I love that word. Okay. The next is grasping for leader as savior. The board responds to threats and tries to bring in somebody new or outside advice. 
Oh, that's uh, never happened that. in my experience. <laughs> well, and and you know what? If you if you look at it, uh, if you were to research the success rate of that strategy, I bet it's less than fifty percent. Yep, much less. You know, much less. It kind of feeds to the previous one where the the idea of being you know consistent and coherent. No, we're going to throw a, another you know, stick of dynamite into the, into the organization by bringing in this new charismatic leader. Wow. Yeah. I'm going back to my blog about the basics being thrilling. You know, if Boy, you can love amen. the basics, you know. Okay. Panic and haste. Instead of being calm, deliberate, and disciplined, people exhibit hasty, reactive behavior, bordering on panic. Either that and or that's sitting on panic. And and that's one of the, the last marker for uh, demise? No. Okay, because that one I, I kind of disagree with. Um, and maybe it's from my work uh, with Gap International about that organizations, when in crisis, will begin to think the unthinkable. Uh, as opposed to what they do in business as normal, be cautious, you know, keep on course, stay the uh, the track that we're on. Where what they would offer is when organizations are in crisis, is that they will then look for breakthrough and look for uh, new. And I don't know what the the alternative other than the good to great flywheel uh, that he would recommend. I think there's a space for. Uh, breakthrough. Okay. And, and that may come out of desperation. Yeah, out of with panic and haste. And I and great, because if it's a real breakthrough, they've done some disciplined thinking. Yes, yes. they're not yes. just hit and miss. But it says radical change and revolution with a lot of fanfare. Um <laughs> The language of revolution and radical change characterizes the new era. New programs, new cultures, new strategies. Leaders engage in hoopla, spending a lot of energy to try to align and, and motivate people engaging in buzzwords and taglines. That one I totally agree with. And I want to gag as I was listening to you. Uh, because I've been a part of conversation. Oh, we really, really mean it this time. You know, this is going to be different than what you've experienced. Uh, uh, I know, I'm and you've become, you've become numb if, if you live in that. And then yeah. here's another hype precedes results. Instead of setting expectations low, underscoring the duration and difficulty of the turnaround, leaders hype their visions. They sell the future to compensate for the lack of current results, initiating a pattern of over-promising and under-delivering. I hear your silence. Well, to, to me, this may be as important a book as Built to Last. And oh, I, I, so. I, you know, I think there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, I just keep going. Well, I, and I think that you said at the beginning, uh, as our listeners look at their organizations, I, I think this is a great assessment. Um, or a great conversation to have within leadership. We're, 
where do you see us in any one yeah. of these or where yeah. are we? I, I think that's yeah. a valuable, that would be a great retreat exercise. Oh, I think so too. I really love it. And you know what? Um, what? Listeners, Joyce and I can help you design this conversation and design yeah. it. We love to, <laughs> we're design junkies and we've done this <laughs> in many different ways. So yes, for yes. people, how, how do they get hold of us? <laughs> Everything's <laughs> magic. Just talk and I'll hear you. <laughs> oh, you how do you want them? Oh my God. How, how do you want them to reach out to us? Well, they can just email us at bobandjoyce.com. Oh, well, there uh, you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you have it. So have I it. think our I think Jim Collins' work, not our work, is done here. I think it isn't. <laughs> I've got oh, just boy. two more that I want to mention. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. Go ahead, Joyce. No. Initial upswings followed by disappointments. So there's an initial burst of positive results, but they don't last. Dashed hope follows dashed hope. The organization achieves no buildup, no cumulative momentum. Oh, I can think of specific companies. Mm. And here's two more that are really good. Confusion and, and cynicism. People can't articulate the what the organization stands for. Core values have eroded to the point of irrelevance. The organization has become just another place to work. They lose faith in their ability to triumph and prevail. Instead of passionately believing in the organization's core values, people become distrustful, regarding vision and values as little more than PR and rhetoric. You've got to clear out the gunk before you do, yeah. which we can talk about another time. And here's the last. Chronic restructuring and erosion of financial strength. Each failed initiative drains resources, cash flow, and financial liquidity begin to decline. The organization undergoes multiple restructurings, options narrow, and strategic decisions are increasingly dictated by circumstance. Da, 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 da. So is, you know, if I think about uh, my own experience uh, and observing uh, Food Lion uh, under the leadership of uh, Meg, this isn't an organization that has tried to hit the big home run or to totally go out of their, you know, comfort zone in terms of how they deliver to the customer every day. I, I think she and her team and every associate at that company has been practicing those things that you want to avoid uh, and probably is a, a strong reason why they've got 39, 40 consecutive quarters of positive store growth. Let's get her come to come Let's visit us. Get her gone the Let's show. Get her to come visit. She has um, Meg will brag about you. She has a wonderful combina combination of um, leadership and managing. Oh yeah, I was a good leader, horrible manager. Other people are good managers, not good leaders. She really carries both and instills it. Um, all right, so yeah, because the next. Uh, segment of the book is about what to do and we'll leave you hanging i'm hanging what to do is go buy the book and jim <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> thank you jim thank you joyce <laughs> thank you bob 
you know, Joyce and I, we, we love a good metaphor because it's a powerful way to describe something. And as I was listening to today's podcast, I thought of, you know, everything that moves needs to have a tune-up or a diagnostic to make sure that things are not only running smoothly now, but give some predictability about smooth running in the future. And uh, I'll tell you, Colin's work is a great uh, source of information to do these insights. And you know what's another great source? Is looking at Joyce and I, potentially, to partner with you to come into your organization and do this assessment together in a way that's interactive and includes everyone. So let us know. BobandJoyce.com. Email us, and uh, we'd be happy to have a conversation with you. So with that, until the next time, be well and be safe.